Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. End of the week edition of the Dunked On Basketball NBA podcast. Not really the end of the week, but this will be our last episode with the holiday this week, Tuesday night edition. Want to talk about the Washington-Milwaukee game that I went to in person last night up in Milwaukee. Had some impressions I wanted to share about the Bucks after seeing them in person. Had pretty good seats, thanks to SeatGeek. And then we got a lot of injury news to get to, of course. And then what we want to do is take stock here of the playoff picture a little more than a month into the season. Things finally starting to shake out. Certainly in the West, we've gotten some clarity at the bottom of the picture there. Try to say, you know, who's really in, who still has a chance, and then maybe do some more individualized predictions for some of those teams as well. So, Danny, uh, I wanted to talk first about this Bucks Wizards game. You watched that at least to some extent on TV, right? I did. It was it was one of the games that I was interested in. I had no idea that you were going to be there, but yeah, I, I I especially I ended up watching the fourth quarter. I was watching intermittently throughout, just because I mean, two good teams in the Eastern Conference. But I was sitting there at the beginning of the fourth quarter, going, "Okay, Washington's up seven. Giannis is in. Wall and Beal are both out. Let's see how this goes." and it did not go the way I expected. No, and we had noted uh, on the 15 and 60 the terrible net rating for lineups featuring neither Wall nor Beal. And in fact, Milwaukee, without Giannis on the floor, had completely stifled those units offensively at the start of the second quarter as Milwaukee had gotten back into the game. But that was really only the Bucks' decent stretch of the game. And Giannis was really stifled. He played 39 minutes, but was 23 points, 8 of 21. And 0 for 3 on threes he hit one mid-ranger that was about it and it seems like teams really now are switching on him and there just wasn't any space on the floor with this team that's the other thing that i noted they're only four of 22 from downtown and two of those four were made by deandre liggins which that's great right he went two for three but he played 17 minutes and they weren't guarding him the entire rest of the time he's being guarded by jody meeks a lot of times when he was out there and meeks was just camping out in the lane and stopping everything that the bucks wanted to do so it really looked like there was not a ton of space they were coached by joe prunty in this one because jason kidd was away from the team after the birth of a child but that didn't really seem to make much difference in what they're doing or the weird rotations they were playing gary payton and deandre liggins together neither of whom can shoot a three Peyton and Liggins both entered into the game in the second half before Malcolm Brogdon which was ridiculous Brogdon just on the sidelines didn't appear too happy and yet all right Brogdon was 0 for 4 but you know he's Malcolm Brogdon and those guys can't shoot at all so their bench really it was a struggle for them and they are missing Toledovich and Delhi, both of whom are, are decent three-point shooters I think that's has been a little bit of an issue but overall the thing I kept going back to is just you know the Wizards were switching stuff and then there just wasn't space for Giannis in particular to really get to the room and make some 
the plays that he's been making and when the bucks didn't get out in transition they had 17 fast break points outside of that they really were absolutely powerless offensively in this one and it's something that we've talked about a little bit in kind of in separation with these guys but it's true collectively that Giannis, ben simmons lebron all these bigger guys that can handle the ball and can can be a big part of an offense whether they run it or not is a scheme thing all of them require a lot of shooting around them to make all this work because just how they are and so i mean we've seen that the difference with lebron when he's played with corver and with channing fry of course some of that's because he's the best passer of the three but Giannis needs that just as much because that puts too many players in the lane and also the idea with switching is part of the reason you do it and it can be effective and this is true for the bucks defensively as well is because the other players can't make you pay and with milwaukee right now and getting jabari back eventually will help with this too you need to be able to make those situations work to your advantage as well yeah, I agree. I mean, and even when Giannis would get Gortat switched onto him and they would run that a four five pick and roll, he really wasn't able to beat Gortat. You know, and one thing that's interesting about Giannis is he really is not that fast in a straight line he doesn't have like a ton of just dribble moves right like his handle is not like so tight to where he's going to be able to cross guys up and really create separation what it, what he's able to do is he's able to take a couple of steps get in the lane and then he'll want to go back to a spin move he'll want to try to just rise up over guys or overpower guys in the lane and that strategy works great in transition you know or he can get to his euro step at you know creating separation right at the rim but it doesn't work as well when there's a lot of help on the floor and teams are really packing the paint and also he was shooting as we noted a couple of weeks ago 86 percent at the rim and he missed quite a few layups but they're tough contested layups i think part of that was just he wasn't going to be making those shots like that all year but then also in floater range he really has dropped off a lot and he was again taking some tough contested ones there and then the lack of the jump shot someone like gortat can guard him right like maybe if gortat had to crowd him then he could blow by him and really create separation get into the room but he just is not able to make teams pay with the jumper as i mentioned he only hit one and certainly there are plenty of opportunities available and just the bucks in general uh, well you, go ahead what were you gonna say Giannis is already down to 73 percent at the rim so that's still awesome you know like that's still a very good percentage but the idea that he was going to be in the 80s for the whole year like that that regression happening and I mean I think we're seeing this a little bit with the Orlando Magic too like when something is ridiculous getting to very good helps but that ridiculousness helped the Bucks earlier in the season and the other two things that I noted about them I mean the, their offense they ran a ton of flex which is really but like you know a lot of teams will run some variations off it or they'll try and get guys open for threes and there just wasn't the spacing on those plays like a couple of times they got guys in that back door on the flex cut coming across the lane for for the layup basically if you don't know what a flex offense is you can it's one of the most common basketball sets but basically is you enter the ball to one elbow the block below that is open there's a guy in the strong side corner and then there's a guy on the weak side block a guy in the weak side corner and a guy on the weak side elbow and so the guy on the weak side block sets a screen for the guy in the weak side corner to go to right under the basket and so the idea then is that that guy's man has to help on that screen and then the guy who just set the back screen then pops out for a screen at the elbow from the guy at the opposite block and then you throw it to that guy and then if that doesn't work you're set up to basically run the exact same thing on the other side of the floor uh but the bucks with their lack of spacing everything was just crowded on those plays they didn't get a ton out of them you know it's not the most creative set in the world it's been run for decades and decades and then other than that it was just pretty much isos chris Middleton in particular was 5 of 13 in this one and 
they need to just stop isoing him like he's not that good at it and same thing with Thon like they I think would do so much better if they just said all right Thon and Chris Middleton when Thon is in the game you guys are just standing at the three-point line you know or you're going to come off screens at the three-point we're going to set you you're going to set a screen and then you're going to stay outside the arc let these guys like Bledsoe like Giannis really go to work down there instead of just compacting the spacing so badly because if Middleton's going to try and an iso you got Bledsoe Giannis out there John Henson you know there's just too much help and he's not going to be able to get a good shot and it was really it looked very ugly and maybe with more Toledovich maybe with more Delhi you know they want to play Liggins they want to play Peyton and that'll help a little bit but I still just did not like the way this offense looked one bit last night one other point on that is Milwaukee starts three guys who are typically considered wings in Snell, Middleton, and Giannis. They still need more wings. Like, that's just an element of this team. And Jabari, you know, he's kind of on that flex. He's the the wing big thing because he's, I think of him as a straight four. But they just need more guys like that. Hopefully, you know, DJ Wilson could fit into the rotation at some point. Probably not this year, but at some point. And then it just reminds you that even if you have a good starting set, you need more just to, to run a rotation. Yeah, I mean, and Jason Terry, who just, was like running a bunch of sprints after the game he's barely played it all this year you know I'd probably rather have him out there than one of Liggins or Peyton just to to get some more spacing on, on the floor meanwhile the Wizards you know their defense looked pretty legitimate in this game and I don't want to take all of the credit away from the Bucks, looking bad in offense but the Wizards did a lot to, to make it difficult for them packing the paint and this Wizards defense as we noted is actually you know creeping up into the top 10 now playing against some bad teams but the Bucks, especially at home are, are not a bad team and they look pretty good I also think that Brad Beal who had 23 points on 10 out of 16 in this game looked really good at attacking the basket uh I, I like to see that from him and his finishing around the rim with touch has really improved I mean especially one of the things we got these great seats from SeatGeek and so we're in like the fourth row and the windows through which guys were having to finish at the basket in this game were just absolutely tiny and Beal did so in impressive fashion a lot of times then they got a ton out of Kelly Oubre in this game too he had 18 points on only nine shooting possessions three or five on threes it got to the foul line for three attempts and he was a big part of what they were able to do defensively as well and then uh they even got something from Jan Mahimi he was uh plus six although he did of course have five fouls in 13 minutes as required by law and with Mahimi doesn't there isn't really a guy in this I guess if depending on how they use Thon like Thon can exploit him a little bit but I mean he's not getting enough possessions to really exploit Mahimi in that way and you you brought up Beal's finishing and I looked it up and the the stats do largely bear out the eye test his his frequency on shots at the rim is about the same he has been doing more in the floater range but in his career he never shot better than 64 percent from in in the restricted area he's at 69 percent right now and so that probably means it's still early enough that it'll maybe set a little bit between this point and his career averages but any improvement in that for especially for a guard we've talked about this a lot with Lillard those improvements can be huge in terms of getting to the line and other spillover effects for the rest of your team Eric Bledsoe going back to Milwaukee wanted to talk about him as uh, getting an extended look at, at him I I thought he played 35 minutes had six steals and two blocks in this game and 14 points we mentioned on the 15 and 60 is not shot well so far looked a little bit better in this 
one adds another transition element uh he really gets loose balls extremely well like he just reacts so incredibly quickly i mean even faster than someone like john wall uh and that was a part of him getting those six steals but uh, we did talk about like all right you know what kind of a defensive player is he going to be and well i think he's solid as a help defender he provides that element as a point guard I didn't see a ton of just the ball pressure and the activity from him that we had grown to love so much when he was a Clipper and early in his Phoenix days. You know, he does seem to kind of be a little bit more relaxed, like not really intense, not really in a stance to where he's trying to make the ball handler uncomfortable. And I don't think you know, he's going to be a bad defensive player for Milwaukee, but we didn't see him just in terms of his on-ball defense be quite the force that you would hope given you know the tools that he still possesses. The other thing that I want to mention quickly is that I thought John Wall looked better than I expected, considering there was a possibility he was going to miss this game due to knee soreness. In person, how did he look? We didn't see a ton of the wild plays from him. He actually had a couple of drives where it looked like he kind of just lost, didn't have the explosion that he was expecting, or he wanted to foul calls. Also interesting, they only played 31 minutes. They kept him out a lot, in part due to the fact that the Tim Frazier-led bench unit was doing well at the start of the fourth quarter. They didn't play him as much, and maybe that had to do with the minutes but it wasn't his best game and the Wizards only had four fast break points I think that's a a part of that despite dominating the defensive glass we didn't see him pushing the ball as hard maybe as we normally do uh so 15 points six assists you know it's not your greatest John Wall game um and he looked relatively content to shoot more jumpers than we've seen from him at times so I mean I wasn't you know he didn't look awful out there but you didn't see the wild plays he had one play where he tried to go up and dunk on Giannis and got just completely rejected which was awesome um and uh yeah so I don't know it's definitely something to monitor though anytime there's knee soreness involved with Wall because you know he's played entire seasons like that before he had those two surgeries before last year and we had some concern about them all right we'll uh we'll get to some news here momentarily but first this from our friends at net 10 wireless this is my favorite time of year with the nba i love watching all the teams we don't know exactly what we have with them yet and thanks to net 10 wireless you can have access to the latest scores and highlights right on your smartphone they have a choice of flexible plans and great nationwide coverage on one of america's largest and most dependable networks there's never been a better time to switch to net 10 wireless because for a limited time you can get double data for life on unlimited plans starting as low as 35 dollars. you can get unlimited talk texts and the first four gigabytes of high-speed data then 2g after that for a mere 35 dollars. or if you want to bump it up to 20 gigabytes of high-speed data and then 2g after that you pay $60. With Net10 Wireless, you can pick the phone and the plan that fits your needs. Now with the added lifetime value of double data with no contracts or hidden fees. So visit net10wireless.com. That's net, the number 10, wireless.com to reference the terms and restrictions of service and get more information on double data for life today. It's a game changer. So we might as well start with the bucks here in terms of news as well. Del Vadova missed his third straight with knee tendonitis. As we noted with some of the players coming off the bench, they could still use him. Mirza Teletovic out as well with the sixth straight game with rather nebulous knee soreness. And then also a couple days ago, Gary Wolfel, who, you know, sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, I guess, in his reporting. Uh, he's noted that 
Jabari Parker, at least in terms of the way he's been looking in drills, looks like he could play right now. Some Buck staffers even say, hey, you know, he, he might be ready. But the plan is still to remain conservative, let him build up the strength even further before uh, they're looking at a February return date for Parker. Yeah, I mean, that we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. And I think the biggest the biggest injury news of the last couple of days was what came down right before we started recording from the University of Missouri that Michael Porter Jr., who we both saw at the Nike Hoop Summit and was fabulous, is having a microdiscectomy of two discs in his spine. And they expect that he'll have a recovery time about three to four months and it'll probably cause him to miss the remainder of the season. Porter is an elite prospect in this draft, and it could be one of those circumstances where not only does do the teams have a limited amount to work from, though he has, of course, high school and other other competitions, but also this could be a factor like we saw with Josh Jackson in the most recent draft and other ones in the recent past, where the player has a little bit more control over where he goes because of the release of medical information. Yeah, that's an interesting thought there. And Porter, a legit 6'9", 6'10", excellent athlete off of one or two feet can get up for alley-oops block shots it really will probably be more of a four in the modern game you know he's not the toughest guy but really looks like a guy who could be very difficult to handle as an isolation score solid shooter can push the ball very effective driver getting it pushing it to his right hand and finishing off a one foot starting to show a little bit of passing vision as well has some defensive potential a guy that i thought as you mentioned he was fabulous i mean the in the game itself he got in foul trouble he wasn't that amazing but he had the thursday before the game the best scrimmage day i've ever seen of anyone at the hoop summit in like the three or four years that i've been covering i guess this year was the fourth year so i i I thought to me i mean i have not seen that much of Doncic. i've not seen marvin bagley like literally at all uh but he certainly looked like a guy who was at the level of a number one pick type of player so but you know that hoop summit that's about all we got to go on now you know he's i think he played a couple of games at missouri i hadn't seen how he'd done uh i think the other issue is you know whether this is a back surgery that really could cause problems for him in the future and you know i mean we've seen players like scotty pippen had back surgery early in his career it's not something that ruined his career by any means although he had periodic bouts with back soreness so the hope is that he could make a full recovery joel and you remember had had back issues as well early on that's actually something that's not covered under his uh, current contract in terms of the the guarantees i shouldn't say that but it's his lower guarantees could be released if he has another issue with that um so this is going to be intriguing. I mean, you have to imagine, unless all of the other prospects really disappoint over these next few months, that this would probably mean Porter will not be in contention for the number one pick. I would agree with that, and then at least prospectively. And then beyond there, it gets it gets complicated, and there's too much to know right now. And you and I aren't, aren't the most knowledgeable about that, but we'll we'll hope that he gets better and that he can live up to the promise that we saw. So out of Denver, some really bad news for the Nuggets on Paul Millsap, Danny. Yeah, initially, because the x-ray was clean, it looked like this was going to be better news. They were concerned about a fracture. There is not a fracture, but then there was the news that he has a torn ligament in his left wrist, and Woj is reporting that it could sideline him for up to three months, which is a long time for Denver, a team that has lofty aspirations this year and has done well. And so they did win yesterday against Sacramento without 
about Millsap, but three months is a long time, and we're going to get to see a lot of the other power forwards. I mean, they acquired a couple before they signed Millsap, and then they also already had Kenneth Farid on roster, and who knows, maybe we'll get the Plumlee-Jokic experience a little bit more. Yeah, and it's Farid started the other day, only went one of seven, but he and Jokic have shown some nice chemistry together in the past. They don't really have as much of an option last year. They would play both Gallinari and Chandler together. Chandler actually is out with the sore back. Of course, Gallinari is now uh, a bench-ridden clipper with his own injury issues. Uh, So... I think Hernan Gomez can pick up the slack for Millsap on the offensive end. I think it's actually possible that they could play a little bit better offensively with Millsap out where he has not been particularly efficient. They've been giving him a lot of post-ups. He's not very efficient at those plays anymore. He's been shooting threes, but isn't as much of a threat out there maybe as some other guys they could have out there. Um, I think he's better in that respect maybe than Fareed in terms of the spacing and stuff but Fareed is a monster in the offensive glass I think that's one thing that they are going to get a lot better at now is the offensive glass where they'd fallen off since last year but hopefully this will be our chance Danny to see more of Juan Hernan Gomez at the four Trey Lyles likely will be in the rotation maybe they'll exhume Jarrell Arthur though he has not really been around or we might even see the dreaded Jokic and Plumlee together as well and by and large the Nuggets have been very good this year with Jokic and Millsap together they're they're net rating is about plus 10 it's 9.7 and then the off-court stuff you the split gets harder because those guys have played more than two-thirds of their minutes together so we'll, we'll, have, we'll get to a lot bigger sample on that I am like you optimistic if they give Wancho the time that he will do well at least on the offensive end and this also could open the door if they're doing with that with Wancho maybe this is what kind of why they signed Richard Jefferson is that now he can slide into a role then they can try out their power forwards at power forward yeah Wilson Chandler actually missed their Sacramento game with the sore back he's been struggling a lot you know when I last looked at it about a week ago he had only a 7.7 PR very low usage said he's confident he'll be back in the lineup for Wednesday's game when your replacement like Will Barton drops 25 points and five three-pointers you're maybe incentivized to get back in the lineup a little bit more quickly but hopefully that won't mean that that he's rushing back and he can be a little bit more effective for them so for Denver, I'm not sure how much this is going to affect things in the playoff race. We actually recorded the segment about the playoff race and where they stand afterward. I'm guessing we're probably a little bit lower on them just because of what the loss of Millsap will mean defensively, particularly in that Oklahoma City game that we did for the Twitter NBA show. We saw what an impact he was having defensively. And now, you know, maybe Denver gets back to being that 29th ranked type of defense without him. They don't really have an option that can that can do both sides of the coin. So they are going to have to prioritize again which was a problem last year i I think wancho can help a little bit there but he's he's not the player that Millsap is Millsap has been a top 10 defensive player in the the nba these last three four years probably but you know i think he can at least be give them more than like gallo did last year potentially yeah i I would i would hope so and so yeah i I think that for right now i'm still going to put them you know in the i I still think they're more likely to make the playoffs than to not make it i i I think they're above especially and the other thing that they get a big benefit from is how many other teams in the west who are good or hurt right now so i think they're still okay but first of all this increases the the devastation of another injury but also we we just need to see it a little bit more because you know if they start losing games to teams i don't know maybe in in the lower half of the western conference then this starts to get more perilous but they do have that big home court advantage yeah the on off numbers with Millsap and without again small sample size caveat supply they're only allowing two points per 100 more when he is off the 
the floor versus on so maybe there's some hope that he won't have that huge an effect but my thinking is that they're going to be playing some worse defensive players out there and that that could suffer but i you know it wouldn't shock me if they get better offensively without him with the Bulls, uh, Zach Levine has been cleared for contact practice. The Bulls are going to be out west this week. We'll actually see them in person on Friday in Oakland. And he had some quotes saying he feels pretty good. It's going to take some time to get things back. But uh, I hope he comes back sooner rather than later. It's still thinking like, you know, it's going to be two, three weeks, you would imagine, before we'll see him out there if he was just cleared for contact practice. Kevin Durant missed the game against the Brooklyn Nets, which was the the back-to-back. He sprained his ankle against the, the Sixers in that crazy game. And it sounds like he's going to play against the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday, which is a, a big game for lots and lots of reasons. And I it was amazing that it happened, and I didn't particularly, you know, didn't particularly notice it with him, though yeah, I don't no know. no one knows it, when it happened. He doesn't yeah. even know, apparently, when it happened. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. And then um, the Cavs are still dealing with a batch injuries themselves yeah mon shumpert out five to seven days with treatment for knee swelling of course you remember he tore his acl on the same day that derrick rose did back in 2012 and, and has dealt with periodic knee soreness since his return there we mentioned that rose can be out another two or three weeks uh, isaiah thomas though did some drills his highest level of activity to date was doing some five on oh work able to work up a sweat so Hopefully, he's going to be able to continue to ramp up his activity without a setback. I mean, that's your big... When you're in one of these situations where you don't have the surgery and you hope, okay, rest, rehab, all right, I'm feeling good now after all this, but then what happens when you begin to ramp up the activity, right? I think if you have surgery, then the hope is, all right, we've at least fixed the problem. So when once we get everything strong enough and we start to ramp up the activity, hopefully, you know, you're not going to feel pain. There's not going to be swelling, but that's going to be something to watch with him. In Dallas, Seth Curry still not believed to be close. No possibility he will play this week. So that makes him still week to week. They, of course, are missing him pretty desperately. And another team desperately missing an injured player is Danilo Gallinari with the Clippers. Clips lost in New York in desultory fashion in the fourth quarter. Gallo is going to be out another seven to 10 days with that strained glute, which didn't sound like it was a major issue. But, you know, I mean, glutes certainly an important muscle and it could be just as bad as a hamstring or a calf if you suffer for some kind of a, a tear uh what else we got back here should we do the memphis carnival right now yeah it's really been rough for them it's they sit at seven and nine we'll talk a lot more about them when we discuss some of our, our playoff projections now but mike conley the original statement was out indefinitely now another update will be provided in two weeks and that's not good but there's yeah but there's no indication that you know i mean that's even worse it seems like that the statement now that's so pervasive is that he'll be reevaluated in two weeks so no indication that he would be returning at that time obviously he's very tough and if he sees the season slipping away he may try to come back but this seems like something with that same achilles as 2016 that you know they just have to get the soreness and the inflammation down to the point where he can play and then you know is he going to aggravate it when he comes back same thing as isaiah right i mean this isn't something that you can fix with surgery you know if he has just kind of a permanent issue with that achilles that you know wouldn't be solved until he actually tears it uh which of course you're not going to do so it's tough to know exactly when the moment is even if you're right there as far as okay he's feeling better now we slowly slowly ramp up his activity is he okay no he's feeling 
Nicholas Desornis, we got to back off. You know, there's going to be a lot of really uh, uncertainty there, both internally and then, you know, as far as what we're going to find out. And then Wayne Selden, he continues to struggle with that right quad. He came back and played a few minutes in a blowout against Houston, but really hasn't been in the rotation and then was listed as being out with that injury. So apparently still a problem for him. Maybe he tried to rush back with the return of Ben McLemore saying, hey, you know what? I thought I might start here at Ben is back too uh and then this is one that we really were fearing we had talked about how brandon wright in our most improved looked a lot better due to health well he suffered a groin injury over the weekend unclear of the severity but generally you know that's going to be a couple week type of injury so they got nothing in terms of established backup big is going to be Deontay davis uh, marcus all actually played 40 minutes in their loss to portland last night and these injuries really do compound on each other which is so hard because it it they're different positions, but it, it sabotages your depth and it, your top line quality. I mean, Marcus Marcus is still a wonderful player, but they I just don't think they have enough around him. Even with Jermichael Green getting back, which yes, it's nice that he's back, and he's had I think he's had a couple moments. I haven't watched a ton of the Grizzlies since Conley got hurt, but they're going to have to survive this. And with Conley, the other concern, and we'll talk about this probably in the playoff section, is not only a reaggravation, but just the idea of how whether he's going to have to miss time for maintenance. I mean, if this is something where the best approach is to be a little bit proactive with it memphis their chances of winning drop significantly when mike Conley doesn't play so if you say you know one game every three weeks even if it's that that can be significant so it'll be it'll be worth watching it's it's very dispiriting in that way but you know they've they've withstood injuries before so let's hope that they do yeah and you never know when the clock's going to turn midnight on tyreek evans and the wonderful season that he's having so far i think they can weather this storm a little bit with Conley out if Tyreek can continue to play like this although that again they get into some of their really ugly backups at the guard position there too you know it could be uh, Andrew Harrison time again in Sacramento Buddy Heald suffered a pretty bad ankle injury over the weekend he's missed two straight games now or it actually might have been last week uh and then you have to imagine it's gonna be a while longer for him that one looked pretty bad and then Vince Carter uh who as we noted has not played well when he's been in the lineup this year and hasn't even played 100 minutes yet he's now missed seven straight games due to kidney stones and let's move on from that as quickly as possible by noting that norm powell has missed four in a row due to his hip pointer but he is questionable to return against the knicks on wednesday and with right out now with that shoulder we don't know what his story is he's going to get examined uh at the hospital for special surgery while the the wraps are on this trip to new york and we'll probably get a, a better idea of what's up with him at that point uh they definitely could use Paul back in the lineup but i think really they've done well uh with og and anobi as the starter at the three he gives them a little bit more traditional size there so if it were me i think i would stick with og for now at least you know until maybe he stopped shooting it as well and let Powell come off the bench get a little more scoring and playmaking with the second unit from him another one that i think we have to talk about mostly because it looks like it's going to be a bigger thing than we thought initially is joe johnson so joe johnson met with a hand specialist and now it looks like he's going to be out until at least the start of december and the hope was that it was going to be like a maybe a one to two week injury and so that like with memphis it compounds because rudy gobert is 
still out, and Johnson can be a reliable part of their offense, and Gobert is the centerpiece of their defense. They did have that big win against the Magic, but that might be the the oasis in this rough, rough stretch for the Jazz. Yeah, they, aside from that, really have not been particularly competitive on this East Coast road trip. They now sit at 7-10. and 10. In Orlando, Jonathan Isaac, this wasn't something that was made a big deal of, but he still doesn't have a timetable return. He did not play in their loss to the Pacers in their regression bowl last night, but still no timetable uh, still experiencing s- some swelling and then Justin Anderson who was in the lower reaches of the Sixers rotation as a backup wing he's out three weeks with shin splints the return of Jared Bayless will help to mitigate that a little bit but with Nis- Nick Stauskas who has barely played this year also out uh, with a right ankle injury he was in a walking boot as of a couple of days ago they are a little bit thin on the wing there'll be more minutes for TLC maybe even some possibility that Furkan Korkmaz could play a little bit but probably not with Bayless back uh and then we got a couple more here to get to before we get into our playoff pitcher Larry Nance is on his way back from a fractured hand. He was back at practice. I thought I heard I heard he looked pretty good. I watched part of uh, one of the like, recent Lakers game and they talked about it. And then Luke Babbitt has has missed some time recently. I don't Have you heard anything? I think he's coming back soon. I think that's what I remember hearing the last couple of days. Yeah, he had to leave their most recent game that's with right. back soreness. And Mike Muscala still on the shelf with that ankle sprain that he suffered weeks ago now so they've really been struggling in the front court they have Deadman and john collins and that's basically it uh they've got kavanaugh as well uh, on a two-way but hopefully babbitt will be able to return soon i think he provides an important element at the fourth is shooting and then the hits keep coming from brooklyn as well trevor booker unable to practice tuesday with an ankle sprain sounds like he could miss at least a couple of games and the nets pretty clearly now starting to fall out of it people were talking about maybe they could make the playoffs but obviously with the russell injury the lynn injury and, and booker is probably their one really nba level big at this point it's going to be a, a big struggle for them all right we're going to talk playoffs here but first this from my book we got some smart listeners you know who's going to win right so you can lay down some cash and win big today at my bookie you win and they pay they've got action in the nba nfl hockey and more you can choose your game and place your pick they even have in-game live betting so you can place a bet after tip-off in an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze so what do you get started with them is at mybookie.ag if you join now, they will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. You use that familiar promo code CAPSPACE, which we talk about all the time on the program, to activate the offer. That's mybookie.ag using that familiar promo code CAPSPACE, and they will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. You play, you win, and you get paid at mybookie.ag. All right, Danny, if you want to run this one, you want to take us through the rubric that you devised to, to talk about the playoff picture here? Sure. So there are basically two lenses that you can use to go through the playoff picture. One is seeding, and the other is who gets in and who doesn't. And so uh, my base level at this point is more about who gets in and who doesn't, because we we have the general contours now more than the specific stuff of like, oh, who's going to win that many games? So what I did for each conference is I separated it out into a maximum of six categories. Not every category is filled in each conference, but the categories are in barring serious injury which is in but i'm you know law background can't say in unless you're locked in probably in so that's where it's you know it's it's you don't feel locked in but it's really close more likely than not which isn't used a lot in this level the fringe which are teams that are you know have a serious chance at it but might not make it in then probably out which is the the analog and then out same thing as the other side 
Yeah, yeah, I, I thought of your fringe as teams that have a legitimate shot. You know, right. You know, I think, yeah, because fringe you think of as like, okay, you know, they've got like a 10% chance or something. I think I think you meant to the fri- say yeah. that it's kind of, they have a better chance than that. But, yeah, absolutely. But maybe that teams you, you would not project to make the playoffs at this point. But well, Or, or like, let's say, shot. so like a good example of this would be all those teams that were competing, including the Blazers who ended up getting it for the eighth spot in the West last year. Like they were all on the fringe. One of them did get in, the Blazers got in, but they were all on the fringe. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So let's start in the West here. The the East is a little more complicated. So uh, for me, I thought that in, I got Golden State, Houston, and San Antonio. I went with the same three. San Antonio is, you know, they've been in the mix despite not having Kawhi. They will clearly have Kawhi for a higher proportion of the remaining season than they have so far because so far it is at zero. So I had those three as, as being them as well. Yeah, the Warriors, 13-4, and four, Rockets, 13-4, and four, both projected as greater than 99% chance of making the playoffs. Spurs sitting at 11-6 and six right now. I think the fact that they have banked those wins, I wouldn't say that they've played appreciably better overall than teams like the Thunder and the Wolves, but just having a better record. And then the fact that Kawhi will return and that, that they've played at a 60-win level with Kawhi in the lineup these last couple of years. I think you, you would have to say that they're at, and even, you know, it's difficult to imagine just with the competency that they've showed with Kawhi out you know there was a moment there when they got to like five and five that you're wondering like hey you know what like maybe like the bloom is finally off the rose without these stars and then of course you know they've won six of seven since then I, I believe in the probably in category I toyed even with making OKC a lock but I mean the reality is just that they're seven and nine and while they do have a, a 4.2 net rating right now maybe they'll just there's a possibility they could just continue to struggle like this all year and continue to blow big leads and, and be terrible in the clutch especially on defense um so but just the reality that they're seven and nine i i noted that they're probably in but i i almost wanted to put them as just straight up in i had the same thing they're already 4.3 games below their expected wins because their expected win total <laughs> that their record is 11.3 which which is fifth best in the nba but so that's you know a lot of close game losses and so yeah again that that leads you to lead to putting them in but at the same point those same factors that have led to them underperforming their point differential could still exist so and the idea let's say they disappoint in that way and they're around 500 i'm still at the point now and this is something we should talk about for both conferences if we feel comfortable with it is there's a chance that 500 isn't good enough to make it in so i I, that's why i put them at probably and i would expect that the next time we do something like this if it's in like a month or so they will be in the next group up but until that happens i'm not going to put them there then the team that i had the biggest challenge with in this area of where to put them was minnesota minnesota has so much talent i think that you know and they're and they are 10 and 7 along with um denver and portland i think they're a better team than those two so i was kind of sitting there with are they probably in are they more likely than not i ended up with more likely than not for them but i could certainly see the argument that a team this good could be in the probably in category yeah and both okc and the wolves given 89 percent chances of making the playoffs by 538 uh spurs thunder wolves all projected around 49 wins um 48 for the wolves 49 for the other two in the probably in category i threw the nuggets in there as well uh they are projected at 46 and 36 and of course these projections are a combination of preseason expectations and also 
the way they've played so far statistically we can certainly throw in some of our subjectivity there as well i mean i think a a big reason why with the wolves and nuggets i'm more likely to say that they're almost certainly in is just because of of the fall loss we've seen from the jazz clips and grizz and and their injury concerns you know especially the clips just to be six games below 500 already even if everyone comes back and they start playing at a solid level they're still not uh, you know it's gonna be hard to make up those six wins to really like knock a team like the Nuggets out of the playoffs so as long as you know Jokic doesn't get hurt or something I mean they're not really that dependent on any other one player other than him and so I think that they're probably you know I feel pretty good about them but that's more a statement of where their competition is than necessarily that they've been so incredibly good to date I have them in more likely than not just because I want to see them put up something against good teams more often because I think that can be a, a good differentiator or they they did get a win against Sacramento yesterday, but just just really see them put it on there. So I have them in that group. Yeah. But well, there uh, aren't you know, as many good teams in the West that they have to beat anymore. You that's know? I true. Mean, at, at, at home, you know, they really uh, there are a lot of these teams that are going to come in now that don't have much of a shot against them. True. And so so basically, whether we have a couple of the lines of demarcation are slightly different, it seems like we each have six teams in those first three categories, which means that there are two spots remaining, and I wouldn't put anybody else above the fringe category category but to me portland is the closest but i just don't trust them all the way yet especially because they're so dependent on their two best guys well i put i put the blazers and pels in more likely than not i mean that just okay. means they have a greater than 50 percent chance of making the playoffs right so uh, by your nomenclature if, if that's what you're saying i mean i think you you, you by definition i well not by definition i mean you could have you know and maybe in the east we'll say that there aren't eight teams that are at least more likely than not because there's just so many that are around the bottom of the picture sure uh but i would say the blazers certainly you know they're at 10 and 7 i mean they're just like four or five games ahead of teams like the jazz clippers and grizzlies right now and the blazers you know are kind of seventh in the conference they're projected for 44 wins and then the pels i mean just simply by virtue of being nine and eight having a winning record so they're a couple of games ahead of the teams below them and having not suffered the injuries yet certainly it's the Pels those could be coming but they haven't suffered them yet and the other teams have so at the very least you know they're in slightly better position than those other teams and and I think they they may suffer some injuries around AD and DeMarcus but both AD and DeMarcus are better than anyone on the Jazz Clips or Grizz to me right now I would agree with that and I mean, just we don't know how long the guys. You would agree that Demarcus Demarcus is better than Blake Griffin. I thought that actually might be like a somewhat controversial opinion. I haven't been as impressed with Blake over the last few. It's also hard because their perimeter rotation has been so jacked up. But like I was watching him just going up against the wall, going against Porzingis. And yes, Porzingis is an anomaly among NBA power forwards. But I wasn't seeing as much of that dominant Blake Griffin. And the idea that he can attack switches and things like that is certainly there. But Boogie, to me, has been more impressive so far. I am not saying that is going to continue, but I would agree with it as as of now. Yeah, Boogie did get thrown out last night uh, (laughs) against. Oh, so against the did you Thunder. see it? Did yeah. You, so I thought. So first of all, the f- the first time I saw like the replay and wasn't looking super closely, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. He threw an elbow and hit Russell Westbrook in the head. There was at least some exaggeration of that, but what was so weird was I actually think he might have gotten ejected more on intent than on on actuality because he swung an elbow yeah. and hit Westbrook in the in the head, but he hit him in the shoulder first. There wasn't that much contact with his head, and I'm semi okay with an intent in an intent 
projection on a on a head elbow because that's a pretty big thing but if you're going to rule it on actual contact which does seem to be the way the nba is doing it most of the time then i don't think it was sufficient for an ejection yeah i mean i think that's what it was just hey you're this is a reckless elbow up in the head head area of the guy i mean it, it granted made it may have only made more contact with the shoulder but uh ed ross i'm sure was uh you know accentuated it uh, to some degree but so i think the teams below there then you know i have both the blazers and pels as more likely than not that's that's my top eight uh i can't believe i'm picking the pels to actually make the playoffs but you know i'm sure i'll grow to regret that at some point um and then the teams that i would say have a shot right now uh still the jazz clips and grizz probably grizz the highest there then jazz then clippers maybe clippers would be above jazz just because we know that gobert is out for a while but just with the injuries those teams have suffered the fact that they're below 500 that none of them are playing even remotely well right now i think you have to say they're pretty low so and to me there's a very clear line of demarcation between the pels and those teams right now you know maybe and i get the feeling with the way these teams have played like neither of none of them look like hey you know they're really going to tread water until their big guys get back and so and then even if they do return you know maybe at, at full strength we're talking about teams that are 45 46 win type of teams if you really are optimistic about them but if they're going to be five or six games below 500 when the injuries stop happening then you know there's really no way that they can get back to 500 i do think at least you know you're gonna have to get to 39 40 wins or so in the west here i ran the numbers before we recorded and the clippers who are 5 and 11 they need to play like a 45 win team the rest of the way to get to 500 and that's possible i mean i think that but but if they're missing gallo for another week or so if that starts dropping then not only are you lowering relative to 500 but also you're reducing the number of games left and so then then those numbers start to get big this was actually a thing with i believe was the pelicans last year when they started playing better for a brief period of time but we're like they there just was too much ground to make up and so new orleans like could come back to the field i think they're the most likely of those top eight but you're right that that it's going to take a lot especially from the clippers because they're doing a little bit worse right now i mean they have a worse record than the lakers who i do not have in this group just because i don't think they're good enough yeah i have the lakers in probably out i'm not ready to completely rule them out yet Uh, especially just like if lonzo can just start playing a little bit better you know i mean kp had a a nice piece about this how he's doing everything well except for scoring i mean if he could just get to being like you know 45 percent true shooting instead of 35 (laughs) percent true shooting like you know to the point where they can take advantage of his other talents because he's going to play for them obviously that maybe they could start playing more like a 500 team and again though that's really more more of a hey you know what jazz clips grids are not going away maybe the pels you know ad or, or demarcus goes down and like then they're in the same boat with the jazz clips and grids and the lakers are, are at full strength ingram and ball continue to play better kuzma continues to play better as as a young team they could improve and then you know maybe they could get into the mix if you're they're very very lucky there is a scenario i'm still you know not saying it's remotely likely though yeah i had them in the same category and i debated putting dallas there because i think dallas is significantly better than the Suns and the Kings in terms of talent, but they're three and fifteen, and so I it's it's really hard for me to imagine them being so good the rest of the way, especially with the way their defense has been with the starters out there that they could get in. 
Yeah, and then we don't have to spend much time on this at all. Suns, Mavs, and Kings, uh, adios. We'll we'll see you all next year. Um, but we'll still talk about you in the 15 and 60, of course. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll cover we'll their games. A, a gamer every yeah. once in a while, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, they're still part I of mean, the NBA. If, but, uh, you know. If you hadn't been at, if you hadn't been at uh, Bucks-Wizards last night, we might have done something on the ending kick of Mavericks-Celtics last night, because that was a little bit crazy. Um, so who do you think has a chance at a top four seed at this point, like a realistic shot at it? I think that all of the six, so Warriors- Rockets, Spurs, Thunder, Wolves, and Nuggets all do because the Thunder have not been so good that I think they're a lock for it. And I think the margins between those teams are pretty tight. Portland, it would take a lot for me. I think that would be really close to this, you know, because let's say it's, I would put that line of the fourth seed probably around somewhere between 48 and 50. Does that seem about fair? Yeah, that that does seem fair. Um, And and, I mean, the, the only reason I might think about the Blazers being in there is just because maybe again, everyone else above them just doesn't play that well. And like, I mean, who comes back and they've done well treading water while getting you know they've been starting Caleb Swanigan who's been giving them very little Von Lay has been playing a ton of minutes so if they could get Aminu back and really start taking off again we've seen those lineups with Aminu and Harkless be really effective at times before that maybe they could really start heating up you know certainly injuries to them Nurkic Lillard McCollum would be devastating but uh, I'm not willing to completely rule them out yet especially with the way that they've defended so far here um but i would say who's your favorite for the number four seed still okay see i mean they're they're the the most talented of these teams and their defense as we've talked about before seems legitimate so the fact that they have these crunch time struggles actually on both ends of the floor is a concern but i don't think it's so big a concern that'll be there and also i think they're more resilient to injuries this year than they were in the past just because they have more talent they would have to figure a lot of it out without russ or without paul george or without mellow but they have the talent to do it yeah i mean okay is the only one of those teams to me that has the chance to be good on both sides of the ball but i'll tell you what man we've hit on this but russell westbrook's just got to play better i mean that's their biggest problem right now is just that he's got like 48 percent true shooting like he just can't make a shot right now and it's not like he's been dominating on defense or making it up i mean making it up on the on the other end so yeah that that is a big concern for them and i think they'll figure it out but i'm less sure now than i was before and and that was something you and i discussed last year about the idea of russell westbrook and and in the previous for this year is just what is his baseline like what do we because it wasn't what he did last year obviously but it was where, where is it yeah in relation but, to that? but i thought he was still he was still the same type of guy yeah last year that he was before he just shot way more and managed to maintain his efficiency now he's back to in theory the same type of load that he had you know in the kd years uh other than that 2015 season when kd was out most of the time uh and you know i mean i think it's just the nature of his game that uh, a blessing and a curse perhaps that as the load reduces he doesn't actually get more efficient but as the load increases he doesn't get more inefficient yeah, there is there is seriously a virtue to that i mean the the virtue of being able to take more shots without losing efficiency i mean it's it doesn't happen that yeah. often for a guy at his level but but the difference was too i mean even in the kd years yeah maybe he himself was around league average efficiency but the team was awesome you know yes. and, and now that has not been the case and he's he's dropped of course well below league average in terms of efficiency let's talk about the east now uh in i have uh boston raptors and Cavs. So still not trusting the Wizards? That was the one that was hard for me. Yeah, I mean, I had them in the probably in group. Um, I mean, they have a nice history this defensive improvement you know we'll see if that sticks or not if it does then you can throw them in there uh but they're just there are so many teams below them 
and an injury to wall obviously he's had this knee soreness i'm just i'm not ready to say like hey for sure these guys i mean I, i'm not willing to say that they are in in this eastern conference unless i'm projecting you for you know high 40s and wins and i'm not quite sure i'm willing to get there yet with them. i mean they're projected for 46 wins now by 538 and the remainder of those three teams are all projected for 50 wins or over I ended up doing the same thing, but that was the reason I wanted to ask on it was that was maybe my hardest decision on the entire board just because concur because the Wizards are good enough. But if John, if Wall's out, especially they're just they're just screwed because Frazier's fine, but he's he doesn't do what Wall does and they don't have a backup for Frazier. So we're far we're early enough in the season. I mean, they played 17 games that if if something happened and he, of course, has a history that could be there. So they are also my only team in the probably in category. So That means I only have four yes in the top two there which is a good a good calibrator for just how wide open this eastern conference is is that there are only four teams that were like yeah that i, I feel confident in those teams yeah and in the east my biggest difficulty was determining who would i say is more likely than not and who would i say is just more in the having a shot category i picked three teams for more likely than not Detroit, Philly, and Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee, despite some of their recent struggles, they just have too much talent. Like, the, and I think that they are much more talented than these other teams. Whether it's coaching, whether it's youth, whatever it is that, that they've underperformed, I think they're just the idea of them not making the playoffs is uh, you know very very difficult to stomach for me. And then Detroit, you know, I think they will fall off. They had got completely destroyed by Cleveland last night at home, uh, but they are eleven and six, so they've bank the wins i think that's why i might put them a little bit ahead of some of these other teams and philly you know i wanted to think about them being probably in i think that if you told me that Joel Embiid is going to play 70 games this year, I would put them in probably in, but that's my biggest trepidation still is the potential for injury. I mean, they have had really outstanding performances with their best guys on the floor. It's just a question of whether those guys are going to be there or not. Uh, do you agree with me that all three of those were the more likely than not category? Those were my three. I don't know if the order you said yours was how you feel. I actually had them in the reverse order. I went Milwaukee, Sixers, yeah. Pistons but it is those same three teams and the thing with the Pistons for me is just the remembering the reminding of what happened last year where it was like the same basic guys and they were so much worse so you you always kind of have that in the back of your mind when a team just is is disappointing about whether they're going to go back there but the Pistons do look better I've watched a fair amount of them recently incidentally I switched off that Cleveland game when it was like a four-point game and then all of a sudden I flipped back like five minutes later and it was I think 16 so I I missed the part when they went when they went crazy on it but the Pistons look they look deeper also just just adding Avery Bradley has has given them a, a more stable perimeter defense but then it's also kind of stabilized their perimeter rotation I like a lot of the guys on this team and now that they're in roles like Ish Smith is a backup now that Reggie's actually playing better is nice there so yeah I, I think that that Detroit has earned their spot in that in that place but I mean you look at that and so it's like okay so if you go so we had four and then three but what I think has been the way that the Eastern Conference has been underrated, but I also think it's those teams in relation to expectations, they've just been better than we thought they were going to be, is that the fringe is huge in this group. And it's not huge in terms of like, oh, good teams that have been sabotaged by injury. It's just teams that have been good. Yeah, it is. And interestingly, we'll name those five teams. I'm pretty sure we can agree that the Nets, Bulls, and Hawks are out of it here. Charlotte, Indiana, the Knicks heat and orlando 
and for the record 538 actually disagrees they would have the pacers and hornets uh at 70 and 63 percent chance of making the playoffs respectively above the pistons and the, the bucks as far as potential playoff odds charlotte you know i, I like them i hope that they are going to start playing better now that batum has returned their defense it has been a concern for me always a concern whether they can keep it up on offense they're so Kemba Walker dependent and then Indiana they've had a nice statistical resume so far one of the better offenses in the league still not buying that they're going to shoot this crazy percentage from three I still think that they end up you know an average or worse offense and their defense has been pretty miserable so I still think that Indiana is going to end up out of the playoffs if I had to pick my last team in right now I would say Charlotte and then I think my second team after that would be Miami with then Indiana and the Indiana then followed by the Knicks and then Orlando who has really fallen off in the past couple of weeks they're given only a 28 percent chance by 538 I have Miami as my number one team of this group just because I believe in their defense and a lot of more than Charlotte even huh yeah more than Charlotte and also with Miami the guys who haven't been shooting are guys that can shoot. So I, I believe that Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson, that those guys can can shoot better and that really that will help clear it up. Also, they were missing Whiteside for a period of time. Not I think they were two and three in those games. So it's not like they got killed or anything crazy like that. So I, I just trust Miami the most. I acknowledge that the couple games behind they are could end up mattering. I mean, we saw that last year, that it, it does take a lot to make up games. And that's why, you know, I, I still feel like if we were to play the rest of the season, Miami's a better team than Detroit. But but Detroit has those four banked wins, and that's very, very important. And that adds a lot a lot of variance and everything like that to, to this, and it gives them a, a nice buffer. So I have Miami 1, Charlotte 2, and those two are incredibly close. Like, if I, ha- I I'm not going to put odds on it, but if I had to put their playoff odds, I would have them v- neck and neck. The Pacers would be a little step below that just because they have played well and their talent is conducive. I, I like their starting five. We talked about that in the preseason, why I picked the over for them. And then the Knicks and Magic, they're both doing well overall. And I think they're both, even though the Magic are now eight and nine, they're still doing better than I expected. And the Knicks have gotten more from Porzingis than I thought. And their true big man stuff is working well, but I still, um, their perimeter rotation still scares the ever-loving Christ out of me. So that's yeah, a big that's I mean, a and they, if they are, if they're a top 10 offense by the end of the season, you can call me extremely surprised and that's right. what they've been so far they also have had an inordinate number of home games to date in compiling that nine and seven record another big disagreement between me and 538 is the heat they say they only have a 35 percent chance of the playoffs and uh i am uh, i am higher on them um i guess we should talk too just briefly about the race for the bottom here we should uh yeah because there there's so there are a couple different things here one is the idea that there is actually a massive divide at the present moment between the bottom four teams in terms of record and everyone else because the phoenix suns are seven and eleven i'm not sure the suns are substantially better than i think they're better than like the bulls and the kings and and maybe the hawks the hawks haven't been full strength so i think i think the hawks are probably better at full strength those four games might not sound like a lot but when you're talking about teams that could win in the low 20s that's actually a pretty significant portion of the profile but also that is indicative of a team that cares a little bit more maybe than their opposition and as a, and if their talent level is the same or higher that if they win a majority of those games against those bottom of the bottom six teams they're not going to be in the bottom four 
there are three teams in the league with less than six wins that is the mavs at three and 15 kings four and 13 bulls three and 11 hawks three and 14 every other team has at least seven wins actually oh i'm the sorry king, no, the kings are four the, the kings clippers. are four and 13 not three and 14 uh oh yeah okay not I not a big discrepancy the clippers actually yeah the clippers actually are five, five and 11. 11 i forgot about that but, th- but they're gonna start playing better unless they just trade everyone away you would think i mean that they'll get back on the on the west coast and start playing a little better but i would say the mavs i still think of as a level above the bulls and hawks and i think the bulls um maybe they'll even start playing better too with if Levine returns and, and Markinen has been a bright spot there so to me I think the Kings and they have by far the worst net rating in the league 8.7 which is almost two points worse than anyone else in the league I would say that the Kings are the odds on favorite to have the most ping pong balls uh, in May it is also important to note that two of the teams outside, shortly outside of that group that we don't think are going to make the playoffs, the Nets and the Lakers, have zero incentive to tank as well. So I think we're getting close to just seeing them as separate from the bottom group. And so then you're talking about... Yeah, you know, although I'll tell you what, though. I mean, the Nets are going to really suck oh, yeah. for a while here. Like, like I mean, they have six wins banked already, so they're ahead of, of some of these other teams. But I mean, I think just in terms of how I expect them to play over the next month or so, you know, I think they will be down in the doldrum with the, oh yeah uh you know I, I would expect that they'll be playing like the bulls or the kings for the next couple of, of at least the next few weeks you know until whenever it is russell returns you have to imagine they'll be extremely conservative with him they have to be and so yeah i mean and brooklyn they they don't have the pick to play for but they also are, are looking at the long term one thing that's notable for them in terms of this and and you're right on the idea of losing the next game they play against one of those bottom teams is dallas at the end of november and then they have two games against the hawks so if that is all without d'angelo russell they could actually boost up some of these other teams and maybe that dallas game uh seth curry will probably still be out at that point but and dallas i think is better than the Nets. well right and, and dallas is in the midst of a stretch which you highlighted at the beginning of the month where they're not gonna be favored until they play brooklyn right so right I mean, they're there we expect them to start playing better at some point but i mean you know they, they are banking the losses <laughs> real quick here all right I, I think we are done anything else we got to talk about before we depart no I'll, I'll promo a couple things i wrote a piece actually based on that story i told about eric bledsoe and kind of the timing of that they should have traded him earlier i wrote that out for real gm as a kind of a teachable moment in terms of because people are interested in the gm stuff and then i wrote a piece about the trade deadline about how the kind of the idea of moving it up and what that means in terms of teams evaluating where they are because it's going to be about 50 games now as opposed to 56 and so i wrote about what that could mean for teams like the pelicans and the pacers and that's at the sporting news yeah the pacers in particular will be an interesting one i think the pels based on this analysis that we've just done you know, yep. say the odds of a cousins trade and and also perhaps even a, of a davis trade this summer if they in fact make the playoffs uh is looking much less likely here uh i also wanted to just since it's thanksgiving take your time to thank all of our listeners you know i mean i've mentioned that i moved into a new house like i'm getting married and you know that's not possible without any of you guys we are really thankful that you know for both of us uh, with your support we've been able to actually build like stable lives like we're not living month to month anymore kind of the way we were when we first started this endeavor and it's all because of, of your listenership and support and iTunes reviews and taking advantage of our sponsors and buying t-shirts with the cap space code on the back and, and retweets and everything that you've done. Like it really does make a difference. And we are incredibly thankful for that. We know that without your support, none of that happens. You've shared our work. You're 
really just a wonderful community and and we're so happy to have you as part of us as part of our lives in on social media and on the tour nba show and so uh that's the number one thing that i am thankful for this holiday season Absolutely. And also thank you to everybody who helps make this show what it is, including our interns who have done wonderful work so far. And, you know, just people sending us ideas, you know, that that is that is a part of what we do. Somebody maybe somebody throws an idea and then that becomes a part of our show. And so input is so wonderful and appreciated in this. And it helps enrich not only our days, but also the show itself. All right. Uh, we will talk to you all next time, Sunday night for our Western Conference 15 and 60 till then. NBA season is my favorite time of year. There's always a game to watch, and on your smartphone, you can always have access to the latest scores and highlights. If you switch to Net10 Wireless now, you can get double data for life on unlimited plans starting as low as $35. Visit Net10, that's Net and the number 10, Net10Wireless.com to reference terms and restrictions of service and get more information on double data for life. It's a game changer. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 